So how you doing? Can you hear me? So let me say it again. How you doing? I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone here at the Father's House at Sanctuary Church. I want to welcome everyone online watching around the country. We got friends from all over the country, Kentucky, uh, New York, sometimes Florida, anywhere, Texas that uh, tune in on Friday nights on our live stream on our Facebook page. So if you got your phones out, take them out. Just check in at Encounter. Let it, invite uh, your friends to Encounter. We're just grateful that you're here. And I'm just grateful that my kids from Kentucky are in. They're flying back out tomorrow. So, Chris, yeah. So we had a good week. We were in Disney yesterday, and uh, I need Encounter tonight. And so uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, so just to get started on tonight's message, you know, one of the things that, that, that breaks my heart all the time is that when I see people struggle with their emotions, uh, when I see people sort of inflict self-wounds on themselves unnecessarily. And there are things that happen to us. There are things that we feel that are out of our control. We don't have control. You know, sometimes things in our body, chemical misfires and things like that. And we go through, we, we go through bouts and things like that. But most of the time, there are things that we are in control of. There are things that, that we bring on, you know, into our lives that, that are unnecessary. There, there, are, there are just a battlefield of emotions that wreak havoc on our lives. And I've got an important question for you as we start tonight's talk. And the question is that you should ask yourself honestly is when am I going to address the mess in my life? And once I address it, how do I fix that mess in my life? And let me explain what I'm talking about when I talk about your mess. I'm not talking about anybody else's mess. I'm just talking about your emotional mess. The things that you do in your life that you need to address. Now, many of you heard about weapons of mass destruction, but I want to talk to you about weapons of self-destruction. The things that we do to our own selves that have the potential to take you out, that create the biggest self-induced mess that you need to address in your own life. So one of the first weapons of self-destruction is shame. And you've got to deal with this one. You cannot be happy and feel ashamed at the same time. When you're walking around with shame, when you feel guilty, when you've got regrets all the time, that just robs you of all your joy. God doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty all the time. God doesn't want you walking around feeling ashamed, walking around with regrets. In fact, that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. See, those that can't shake shame always stay the same. You just do. And if you're guilt-ridden with regrets, well, you're always going to regress instead of making personal progress. That's just a fact of life. Now, the second weapon of self-destruction is uncontrolled thoughts. If you don't learn how to control your thoughts, your thoughts are going to ruin your life. Because you stay... You say stuff to, to yourself all the time that causes you grief, causes you unhappiness, causes you unwanted pressure. It gets you worried, gets you fearful, makes you pessimistic about the future all the time. And you've got to learn how to control your thoughts. And that's a mess you need to address because an unhealthy thought life will lead you down some dark places of no return if that mess is not addressed. The third weapon of self-destruction is compulsions. This is big. 
Compulsions are those inner drives, those inner desires. You can call them lust. You can call them habits, impulses. They're the things in your life that you feel like, well, I just had to do it. I just had to buy it. I just had to be with that person. Even though you knew it was wrong, you just had to do it. You've got to learn how to deal with those compulsions that mess up your life, and you need to address that mess. This is a big one now. Next, the next weapon of self-destruction is fear. It's a big one. If you want to be a person of faith and have faith make a miraculous difference in your life, you got to learn how to master your fears. If fear has a grip on you, then you need to address that mess. The fifth weapon of self-destruction is hopelessness. It's a big one. Hopelessness keeps you from keeping on. When you start to feel hopeless about anything, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to want to give up. Hopelessness is a self-destruction, self-destructive weapon that you use on you. When you turn it inward, it robs you of God's plan for your life. It robs you of God's joy for your life. And you need to address that mess or you'll never experience peace, joy, and power in your life. And the sixth weapon of self-destruction is insecurity. You've got to deal with this one. Because if you don't learn how to deal with insecurity in your life, it's going to cause you to do things. When you're insecure and you're trying to show everyone else that you're confident, that you got it all together, it's going to make you do stupid things. You'll pose. You'll pose for others. And the only people impressed by posers are other posers. And when you're insecure, you'll lose all your confidence in you, in your relationships, and even God. And you need to address that mess because insecurity will wreck your life. You know, if you study the book of Romans and you look at chapter 7 and you look at chapter 8, scholars will tell you that chapter 7 is a defeated Christian's chapter. Chapter 8 is the victorious Christian's chapter. And at the end of chapter 7, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, what a miserable person I am. He's sort of addressing his own mess. And he says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. You ever reach that place in your life? He said, I've tried everything and nothing helps. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin? Notice he doesn't say what will free me because that's what a lot of us look for because the answer to the problem inside of you, the mess ups in your life that you like to change the answer is not in a pill. It's not in a program. It's not in therapy. It's not in hypnosis. Not in Dr. Phil. It's not found in Ellen. It's not found in, in whatever you can, whatever fad that you're going to go through. The answer is in a person. It's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's the answer to all the problems in life. And the eighth chapter of Roman gives us the answer and shows us how to address every, every single one of these insecurities that we have through God's Word. Actually, all found in Romans 8. You're going to find that hard to believe, aren't you? But the answer to every single one of those insecurities is found in that one chapter. Obviously, it's found in the Bible, but God addresses each and every one of those insecurities in chapter 8. And what I want, what I want to look at tonight, and we probably won't get through it all tonight, uh, so we're looking at probably going a couple of weeks with this, is to address the mess that these negative emotions have created. And we're going to talk about some healthy habits 
that are going to help us overcome these negative emotions in our lives. And the first step to address your mess is, number one, if you're taking notes, you got fill in the blanks, is I must remind myself daily what Jesus Christ did for me. i got to remind myself daily, every single day, what Jesus Christ did for me. That's the starting point. A follower of Jesus, i got to remind myself every single day what that means. What does salvation mean? What are the benefits of it? Because we've got a lot of people that are walking around, followers of Jesus, walking around like this. Woe is me. I got more problems than you. How many problems you got? Well, I got more problems than you. How many problems you got? Well, I got more problems than you. And a lot of them are self-induced problems. And their problems are compounded by shame, uncontrolled thoughts, compulsions, fears, hopelessness, and insecurity. And a lot of those, a lot of those messes are self-induced messes. And to get out of that rut, you've got to remind yourself of what Jesus actually did for you, not just once, not just at salvation, not just when you got baptized, but every single day. And this is how the Holy Spirit sets us free from shame. Because the Apostle Paul starts Romans chapter 8 with this one famous verse. He says, first he says, so now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Jesus Christ. You've heard that scripture at encounter over and over and over again. So let me ask you, why are you still walking around with shame? Why do you still feel like you're condemned? Why do you still have a, a picture on top of your forehead that lights up that says guilty as charged? You're declared not guilty. No condemnation means God doesn't judge you for the things you've messed up if you've trusted him for your salvation because he took on that judgment himself. He doesn't have to judge you because Jesus was judged for you. God doesn't have to condemn you because Jesus took your condemnation. He took your rap. He paid for your penalty. He did your time. The Bible says if I'm a believer and I belong to Christ, there's no condemnation for those that belong to Jesus Christ. Notice it doesn't say, after I become a Christian, I won't sin and do stupid things and really mess up. No, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up. doesn't say I'm not going to make mistakes. No, you're still going to make mistakes. It just says you're just not under condemnation. In other words, you don't have to walk around with shame. You don't have to walk around with guilt. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross, he not only paid for your sins that you committed last week, last year, but he already paid for the sins that you're going to commit next year. And for your entire life, not only did he paid for them, he became your sin. He died for your sin. He defeated that sin so that you can live forever free from guilt and that sin. That's what we call the good news. That's why we're here. Your sins are already paid for. That's good news. That simply means, let me say it again, no condemnation, which means it's, you have no business walking around with shame and guilt if you've been declared not guilty. Your sins are already paid for. So there's no reason for you to walk around with all this shame. And that's why you've got to stop. 
you got to remind yourself every day what Jesus Christ did for you. That's why the famous chapter in Romans 12, 1 and 2 starts out in view of God's mercy. In other words, I remind myself of God's mercy, what that mercy did for me. I offer my body as a living sacrifice before God, holy and pleasing. This is my spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is for your life in view of God's mercy. So when you think about the mercy of God, when you think about that there's no more condemnation, it should excite you. It should light a fire in you so that someone says, hey, how you doing? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Bill, how you doing? I'm forgiven. Who are you? I'm forgiven. I'm the one Jesus loves. I was once condemned. I'm free. I'm forgiven. I, I challenge you to introduce yourself when someone asks, how you doing? Who are you? Say, I'm the forgiven one. I'm the one that was declared not guilty. Next part of that verse, he goes on, because this is important. This is a big statement. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. Oh, I wish I, 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 wish I had three hours. You got time tonight? Because there's so much in that statement. What does that verse mean? It means that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to be my helper. This is so big. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. Sometimes it's good just to read a scripture really, really slow. Otherwise, you may miss the impact and the power of it and the power of how it can change your life. See, Jesus knew that we would need a power greater than ourselves to address the mess in our lives. So the next thing I have to remember, because I'm a follower of Jesus, is number two. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and I have a new power in my life greater than willpower. This is huge. You may think, well, of course I know that. Really? Really? See, before you became a Christian, the only thing you had to use to address the mess in your life was your own strength and power. And how long does that work? Not long, right? He says, now there's a new power inside of you. Now you have a new strength. Now you have resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that lives inside of you. And unfortunately, a lot of followers are still relying on willpower to change. And they've never figured out how to connect into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And, when, and it gets activated. It's not that hard to activate the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? This is how you do it. Listen very carefully. You surrender your will to God's will. And you just say, Holy Spirit, live through me. His power is the only power that works. And the next thing it says This is important. It says, the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. So what's the the Apostle Paul saying there? He's saying there, he's saying that keeping God's laws cannot save you. By the way, laws are anyway. Keeping laws never, why? Because it says of our sinful nature. Laws simply work on outside behavior. They don't work 
internally, inside of us. They don't change us from the inside out. They don't change the core of who you are. And this is what happens with self-help programs. This is what happens with secular recovery programs or ministries that really don't trust in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't work because inside, you're still the same nature. Inside, the nature never changes. And this is what happens if all you're looking for is a meeting. This is what happens if you just focus on sobriety and not discipleship. This is what happens when you want Jesus to be sort of your higher power, but not your Lord and Savior. You tend to focus on what you can do, what step you're on, instead of asking the Holy Spirit to carry you and heal you and take you through each and every one of the steps. And I just want to remind each and everybody watching, wherever you are inside here, Encounter is a discipleship, recovery, evangelistic community where we're learning what our identity is in Christ. And we're learning how to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit for every part of our lives so that we can live the free, devoted life to Jesus Christ that he died for. And if we're not living that life, we're living underneath our privilege as a child of the one true king. And God wants us to walk free. He died for your freedom. And that's who we are. This is a ministry that will teach you to walk and talk like Jesus. This is a ministry that will set you up for eternity like no other ministry. This is a ministry that when you're done with this life, you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You're not going to be shocked when you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords face to face. We're not here just so that you can find sobriety. We're not here so you can be a dry drunk and move from one issue to another. Moving from drugs to cigarettes, that's not victory. That's another addiction. Moving from alcohol to food, that's another addiction. This is about freedom. This is about walking in freedom. This is about tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit to activate his life in your life where his life becomes your life and that's the only life to live because you died to yourself and the one who rose from the dead lives inside of you and that's the abundant life that God wants you to live. And that's what we're teaching here at Encounter. We're here to make disciples of Jesus because disciples are the only ones who really recover. I was telling a bunch of guys a couple weeks ago, the most successful people I, I've ever met in my life are the ones who have spiritual knowledge that they live out with good fruit. But you've got to go get that on your own. 100 of my best talks or the best preachers in the world is not going to change you until you get in God's word for yourself, until you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit yourself, until you realize you can live this stuff out for yourself and you realize that God is who he is. He can say, he can do what he says he can do. You are who, he's, who he says you are and you can do what he says you can do. You've got to find that out for yourself. You can't just come in here and get a, an encounter fix every Friday. You've got to go home and Live this stuff out yourself. True, not perfect disciples are changing from the inside out because if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Let me ask you, has the new come? You betcha if you've trusted Jesus Christ. What is the new? The new is the new nature you inherit when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. You get a new nature. And if you're going to have radical change, transforming change in your life. It's got to change your nature. It's got to change the core of who you are. And guess what? 
Only God can do that. Nobody else can do that. No self-help programs can change your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can change your heart. He's the only one that can change you from the inside out. Why do you think after three years of ministry, the greatest teacher in the world, Jesus Christ, that the disciples never got it, even with the greatest teacher. Now, I would think that if I'm following Jesus for three years and he did what he said he was going to do, and then he said, and then he told me, now go do this. Go out and make disciples, teaching them to obey all my commands. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. And after he rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples many, many times, and they still disobeyed him. When he said to go out and make fishers of men, they went, they went out and they went fishing for a living. They said, ah. And he ne they never really got it until Jesus said, you know what? Just go into this room and pray for 10 days. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them and inside of them, that's when they got it. Because Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. Unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. When he comes, he not only be, will be with you, he'll be in you. And he will guide you into truth. He'll be your counselor. See, he's our best teacher. And we need to tap into that power to survive. Only the Holy Spirit can change us from the inside out. You see, even Jesus can only reach their intellect. But the Holy Spirit was, was going to live inside of them and he changes us from the inside out. See, people are just going to break the law. You do. I do. God's given us all kinds of laws in his word, and you don't obey those. And God knew that the laws would, could not save us. And that's why the Apostle Paul said next in the same chapter, Romans 8, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except ours are sinful, right? And God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. In other words, he gave us the power to make those changes. And then he said this. He did this, meaning that Jesus died on the cross. Here it is. So that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us. This is important. What's he saying here? He's saying if you were to die and you were to go before your Father in heaven and he were to say to you, did you keep my laws? Did you keep my commands? And you know what your answer would be? No, but Jesus did. No, but Jesus did for me. I couldn't, but he did for me. And I trusted him to take care of a problem that I couldn't fix. And you just point to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, said, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, you get into heaven not because you're a good person. Now, I'm saying this because a lot of, a lot of us think, well, you know, if I live a pretty decent life, God will show mercy on me because he's a God of love. He's a God of grace, which he is. He's also a God of justice. And that's important to know. And all we have to do is point to Jesus. His righteousness is imputed into us. I didn't do good on earth. I didn't do as good as I wanted to. I tried to. But Jesus took care of that problem for me. And the father will look at you and say, because you trusted in my son, 
Come on in. You understand how important that is? You understand how big that is? You understand how exciting that is? See, if you're really serious about changing your life, you got to start where God tells you to start. And God says you don't start with your behavior and your actions. You never start there. And you don't start with your feelings and emotions. This is what gets us in trouble. You start with your mind. You start with your heart. You always start in those two places. The battle for you to be set free so you can address the mess in your life starts with changing your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For instance, if I'm acting depressed and I feel depressed, it's probably because I'm thinking depressed thoughts all the time. And if I, if I want to get over my self-induced, now there's depression that you don't have control over. There's clinical depression, and I get that. But a lot of depression is self-induced. And if I want to get over my depression, I don't force myself to change my behavior. That doesn't work. I don't force myself to change my feelings. That doesn't work. You can't change a feeling. You cannot force a feeling. What you do is you change the way you think. You refocus. If you can change the way you think, it'll change the way you act. Eventually, it'll change the way you feel. The good news about this is that if, you have a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Again, he lives inside of you. So you can ask him to help you think better thoughts. You can ask him to help you with your mind. So you're just not on your own. You're just not out there just trying to think of stuff on your own. How do I get out of this? How do I fix this? What's the answer? What do I do? How do I do it? How can I control this? How can I, you know, how can I fix this? And all of a sudden, you're going to go down some pretty dark alleyways. But what you can say is, Holy Spirit, put good thoughts in my mind. Holy Spirit, give me great thoughts. And you let the Holy Spirit address every mess that comes to the doorpost of your mind, which is why the third mental habit to defeat the weapons of self-destruction is, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me those better thoughts. Now, let me pause there for a second. If you ask him to give you better thoughts, do you think he's going to give you better thoughts? Of course he will. Of course he's going to give you better thoughts. That's a prayer he's going to answer. But if, you don't, if you're not studying and in God's word every day, those thoughts are going to be harder to hear. Because for the majority of the thoughts that the Holy Spirit will give you come directly from God's word. I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, 99.9% .9 of the time, he's usually speaking to me something straight out of his word. And this is important. And that's a prayer that the Holy Spirit is always going to answer. So I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. This is what the Apostle Paul said in the next two verses. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what, you, what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. So here I'm talking about, you hear this a lot from me, mindsets. So what I'm talking to you about tonight is a mindset. And there are two kinds of mindsets. There's the mindset of your old nature, and there's the mindset of the Holy Spirit. There's the mindset of how I normally think about life, and there's the mindset of how the Spirit sees my life. Which one's going to be true? The one the Spirit sees. 
So I have to choose between these mindsets. There's a battlefield in your mind every single day. Am I going to set my mind on the way I normally think about my life? Or am I going to set my mind on the way God thinks about my life? I don't know if you, if you believe this, but the Apostle Paul also said, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. See, and there's a big difference in choosing these mindsets. If you choose the wrong mindset, the outcome is always going to be the same. The Apostle Paul said, the mindset of sinful man is death. That means self-destruction. Thoughts that you come up with are always going to lead to self-destruction. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace, he says. Life and peace. How many of you would like to have life and peace in your life? All the time. Just living around every day, knowing that no matter what goes on in your life, because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And the peace I give you, the world doesn't offer. That peace comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it comes when you choose the right mindset. See, your problems probably may not change. I always tell people, I can't guarantee that your life is going to get better, but I can guarantee that you'll get better. And the difference is a life of either self-destruction or a life of peace. Your mess may still be a mess. Your family member's mess may still be a big mess. But you can start thinking differently. And you can have peace in the middle of that mess. This is the Holy Spirit's answer to uncontrolled thoughts. What I do is I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. And we, we like to call this the principle of replacement. This is important. The principle of replacement is anytime you want to change something in your life and you're serious about changing it, you don't resist it, you replace it. Get rid of it. When you've got something negative in your life, you don't resist it, you replace it. The whole time you're focusing on, on what you don't want, well, that's the thing that's going to stick around. Because whatever you resist is always going to persist. Whatever gets your attention, it gets you. That's why if you want to break any bad habit in your life, the key is not to resist it, but to refocus on allowing God to change your mind. If I just sit here by myself, dwelling on my mess, and I just say, well, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I can't fix my mess. I can't fix my mess. Guess what? You're going to be a mess that can't fix your mess. That'll be the predicament that you'll be in. But if you flip the station to the channel of the good news of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, God will recycle you. He will recycle your pain. He will make you a trophy of His grace because God never wastes their hurt and He'll change you from the inside out and you'll be a, a blessing and you'll be blessed instead of a mess because God will take your mess and He'll heal you of your mess in Jesus' name. And that's what He does. He does that to each and every one of us. So I asked the Holy Spirit, ask, A-S-K, to give me better thoughts to replace the negative ones in my mind. See, you choose what you dwell on. But now that you're a believer, you have a helper. You have someone who lives inside of you. He's pretty smart. He's the smartest one in the universe. And you can say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to give me better thoughts. You know, a lot of times when I'm doing this, because I have a stinking way of thinking. 
I really do. I'll just stop, I'll pause, and I'll pray and say, Holy Spirit, just give me a better thought. Give me a better way to think about this situation. Give me a more peaceful way to handle this problem. Give me a God outcome. Give me a God solution. Tell me what your word says. Let your voice be the only voice I hear because your servant's listening. God, silence every other voice in Jesus' name and let the next voice I hear be your voice and that's the only voice I'm going to listen to and obey. And I just shut up and I wait and I wait for God to speak and that not only does the peace come over me, but his truth comes over me. And I would encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to give him free access to your mind. All day. 24 by 7. Why? Because it'll always be full of truth. It'll always be full of peace. And it'll always calm you down. And it'll always settle your nerves. And it'll always be God ministering to you. There are going to be times when you're not going to be at encounter. There are going to be times when you're not going to have a brother or sister by you. And the only people in the room is going to be you and God. And that's the best time. And sometimes those are the best times where God wants to minister to you. But you've got to invite him. You've got to give him access to you. Those that live according to the Spirit have their minds set on God's kingdom principles. This is important. That's why the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul said, think about things that are lovely. Think, think about things that are beautiful. Think about all these admirable, admirable things. And not only think about them, put them into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. So not only are you to think about things that are beautiful, lovely, right, thoughts that God gives you, God wants you to put them into practice. Because if biblical head knowledge doesn't translate into heart actions, that's all it'll be is biblical knowledge. And God wants you to take it from your head to your heart, and eventually the feelings follow. One of the most overlooked facts that followers of Jesus tend to forget and I'm saying all this right now. The next point I'm going to make is to, is to validate the point that the Apostle Paul six, says next in Romans 8. And sometimes as followers, we forget who we were and how we acted before we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. You know you've forgotten how you acted before Christ when you expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. And it's amazing how ugly your sins look when other people commit them. Have you noticed that? And what we forgot is how we had no capacity or even the desire to follow God and his principles before the Holy Spirit came into our lives. They don't have the power. That's why the next verse that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 8 is the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God because change comes from the inside out. Obedience to follow God comes from a, a deep, heart-filled place of gratitude, of always, never taking for granted what Jesus did for us on the cross, knowing how much we've been forgiven, and out of gratitude, we love Jesus back by following his commands. That's the life. That's the life of peace. That's the life I want each and every one of 
you to have. It's as simple as stopping, taking a deep breath and praying for the Holy Spirit to minister to you in the power of his love and the power of his truth. And the fourth mental habit you're going to need to develop in your life is this, is number four, realize I have a new ability to say no. This is important. I need to realize that now that I'm a believer, I have a new ability to say no to the things that are self-destructive in my life. I need to say no and address the mess in my life. You see, before Christ, you had no, you had no power to change. You had no willpower doesn't work. It may work for a day. It may work for a season. Eventually, it doesn't work. It's not enough. But now, with the Spirit in your life, you have a new ability to say no with the power that comes behind it. And you need to learn how to tap into that power. I don't know about you, but I could admit pretty honestly that before I had the, the Holy Spirit in my life, there are some things that I just couldn't say no to. I didn't have the ability to say no to them. You can call them compulsions. You can call them habits, urges, lusts. You can call them your old nature. But the truth is, there were some things in my life I just couldn't say no to. I had no ability to say no because it, all I had was willpower. My life was a mess for sure. But now I have God's power. Now I have the Spirit living inside of me. And Galatians 5, 16 says this, let the Spirit direct your lives. And you're not going to satisfy the desires of your human nature. Let me just read another version. It says this in Galatians. So I say, this is not up on the screen, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And here it is. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that's where the fruits of the Spirit come. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's my challenge for you today. Are you keeping in step with the Spirit? This is important. Are you lagging behind the Spirit? Are you walking ahead of the Spirit? And this is important, to let the Spirit guide your life. It says... I, I just want to clarify something. If I let the Spirit live through me, does it say I won't have those desires? No. It says I won't satisfy those desires. In other words, do I still have some of those old desires before I was a Christian? Shocker. Yes. Do I still have the same temptations? Yes. Do I still have some of those urges and compulsions? Yes. Do I fulfill them? No. Why? Because I have a new power inside of me. I have dunamis power. I have resurrection power. Do you hear that? That's resurrection power. <laughs> and I, you know, I've heard people say, well, why should I limit any desire in my life to something that seems natural? Something that is just so natural. 
Why should I rein it in if it's something that's natural in me? Friends, not everything natural is good for you. I have, a, I have a lot of natural desires that I don't fulfill. Sometimes I have a natural desire to curse people out on the freeway and smack dumb people, but I don't. Arsenic is natural. Take a lot of it, it'll kill you. There are a lot of things in my old nature that are very natural for me to do, but they're self-destructive. And people say, well, if I feel this way, why can't I give into it? I'll tell you why. Because it's called maturity, character, and integrity. That's why. And God, that's what God's trying to produce in you. You see, you can't have good fruit without character, integrity, and maturity. They go hand in hand. Maturity is when you do the right thing, not what you feel like doing. Because what you feel like doing is not always the best thing for you. The best thing for someone else, and obviously not the best thing for God's plan for your life. If everyone did what they naturally felt like doing, nobody will go to work tomorrow. There'd be more babies born in here than China in the United States. <laughs> this is the good news of Romans chapter 8. The next verse says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Anyone who's, who does not have the Spirit of God living in them does not belong to Christ. So, dear brothers, you have no obligation anymore to your old sinful nature to do, here it is, what it begs you to do. Anyone get up and your old nature is begging you to do something you shouldn't do? Absolutely. And this is how God set me free from my compulsions. This is how God sets you free. Before, when I felt a compulsion to do something, compelled to do something, I didn't have anything to stop it. But now I do. Now I got a power inside of me. Now I got a love that dwells inside of me. And I've had people tell me, I can't tell you how many people came to me and said, that had an affair, that used again. And they said, well, I just had to do it. I couldn't stop myself. I was just compelled to do it. And when someone says that, it says they're a follower of Jesus, they're lying. They really are. Because they simply didn't call on the power that lives inside of them that was made available to them when they needed it the most. And God's power, love, and truth is available to us anytime we need it. We just have to tap into that power. You can ruin an entire life with one second of compulsion. You can. Now the fifth mental habit I wanted to that I, we all need to develop to change my life is I need, to, I need to turn my thoughts to God whenever I'm afraid. So what are you afraid of? What are your fears? Do you know what the number one fear that people have in life? Do you know what it is? I'm not telling you. You've got to come next week. That's all we've got time for. <laughs> Let's pray. You want me to tell you? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you, the number one fear that people have in their lives is that their life is out of control. Believe it or not. See, but God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. You would be amazed that the biggest fear that people have is their, their life is out of control, that they're going crazy. See, if you think you're going crazy, you're not going crazy. Crazy people could care less about other people thinking that they're going crazy. So the fact that you're thinking going crazy means you're not crazy, so you must be sane and you're okay. Okay? 
All right, turn to the, the person next side of you and say, listen, I'm not crazy, but I'm okay. Okay, let's pray. Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for all that you did for me. Thank you that there's no condemnation in my life for all my sins. Thank you that you took that condemnation for me. Thank you that you did what the law couldn't do. Thank you that you destroyed sin's control. Thank you that you accomplished the law in my life. My righteousness is nothing, but your righteousness is the ticket I get into heaven on. Help me to never forget what you did for me. When I feel ashamed, let me remember what you did on the cross for me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me better thoughts. I want to switch mindsets. I don't want the mindset of self-destruction. I want the mindset of life and peace. I invite you to put thoughts in my mind all the time. I ask that you give me the ability to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and help me to remember and realize that I have a new ability to say no. Lord, I used to have willpower, but that never lasted. But now I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And I'm not obligated to give in to those compulsions anymore. If I ask you for help, I know you're going to help me and give me the strength to say no when my old nature wars against me. Thank you that, the, that no temptation is too strong, that you always give me a way out, but I have to ask. Thank you for making things new and changing me from the inside out so I can address the mess in my life and clean out everything in my closet once and for all. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.